This podcast is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Nobody cares. Let's get right into this because this is hot (laughs) off the press. Like this stuff is happening right now. We wanted to come on and just do like an update on the Lisk case because as everybody's heard by now, they've arrested a suspect in Long Island. Really, truly, it's an update for me because like I know the case, but like, and I've seen kind of what's going on, but this is like going to be so informative for me because I didn't deep dive into it. And I know you've been deep dove into it since it happened. So what the hell is going on with this? Before we get into like what happened on Friday or about Rex Hewerman, let's get caught up a little bit with like a synopsis of the case because I'm pretty sure you need a refresher and maybe there's other people that do too. I know the bare bones of it, but yeah, let's let's get caught up so I know exactly what's going on. Yeah, so in 2010 is when this case became like big, big news. Technically, it started like way back in the 90s, but it was starting to piece together by 2010. So shortly before 5 a.m. on May 1st, a woman named Shannon Gilbert called 911 from inside a client's home in Long Island, New York. And Shannon was a sex worker, and she had a driver named Mike that drove her to the client's house. And for a long time, it was pretty unclear on what was said on the 911 call because they wouldn't release it. But what we do know is that she was yelling and acting erratic, and the client and the driver had to try to calm her down. She called 911. She told them somebody was after her, and she could be heard yelling at Mike, her driver, to get her out of there. She ran from house to house in the gated community asking for help, and then she just vanished. This is nefarious. So Shannon Gilbert going missing is what kind of kicked off this whole case. And in the days after her disappearance, like a weird doctor that lives in the community made a call to the family saying that he ran a home for wayward girls and that he had talked to Shannon that night. And then he denied making these calls, but the phone record said he did. And then he admits that he did, but he says that isn't what he said. Anyways, it's complicated and it really put him in the spotlight, kind of like as a suspicious person. Good, because I'm a little suspicious of him. That's that's kind of weird, right? Like, yeah, it reminds me of that episode where that um, the doctor had that sex hotline for like girls to call into. It was like, well, Mm -hmm. that's weird, too. Yeah. But in all honesty, we never really get clarification on what the fuck went on there, so who knows. But it did create a big wave of, like, weird stuff that was going on around her disappearance. And so the police start doing searches for Shannon in the area, but there was no sign of her. She just vanished. So the search continues for a while for Shannon, on and off. Then on December 11th, 2010, the police discover the skeletal remains of a woman along Ocean Parkway near Gilgo Beach, which is not that far. And this is big news because they find these remains where they were looking for Shannon. Right. But the remains that they found were not Shannon Gilbert. They were another woman named Melissa Bartholomew. And she had been missing for a year and a half since July of 2009. So now we got two people who are missing and... Well, we got one person they're still looking for, and then while they were looking for her, they found the body of another woman. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay, cool. So they found one they weren't expecting while looking for the other one they were expecting. Right. Then a few days later, on December 13th, the skeletal remains of Maureen Brainerd Barnes were discovered in the same area. On that same day, they found the skeletal remains of Amber Costello... And the skeletal remains of Megan Waterman. Wow. Like, yeah. talk about, like, a, I mean, a gold mine of, yeah. you know, they weren't even looking for these people and they found three other, like, people. 
Dude, they must, their heads must have spun. Four. Oh, they found four other people. Okay, so really yeah. their heads must have spun. Like, where is this chick yeah. we're looking for? And who are these people? Exactly. So they found the remains of Melissa Bartholomew, Maureen Brainerd Barnes, Amber Costello, and Megan Waterman. They were all discovered on Ocean Parkway near Gilgo Beach, really close to each other. All of the girls had last been seen between 2009 and 2010, so like a year and a half. And all four of these women were also sex workers and all known to advertise on Craigslist. Oh, wow. Oh, Mm -hmm. so like we got kind of another Craigslist killer situation kind of, or at least that's Mm -hmm. the feel of it. Yes. And all four of their bodies were wrapped in burlap. Oh, wow. So like obviously they're all connected. Yes. At this point, it's pretty clear there's a serial killer in the area immediately. Very active, it seems to. Yeah. So they were searching for Shannon Gilbert, a missing girl, and they stumbled on literally a disposal site for a monster. 100%. Yeah, so they continued the search for Shannon and for more, you know, because they found four within like two days. So they're like, we better keep looking. And in March of 2011, so just a couple months later, they find the remains of a skull and a pair of hands and a forearm. So partial remains. Wow, yeah, but... Where's the rest of Well, after DNA analysis, it was determined that it didn't belong to Shannon, but it did match a woman named Jessica Taylor. And Jessica Taylor was 20 and living in New York City when she went missing in 2003. Right, so years before. Seven years later, or this is 2011, so eight years later. But in 2003, after she went missing in July of 2003, her dismembered torso was discovered in Manorville, New York. Which is like 45 minutes east of where the rest of her remains were just found in 2011. Wow. So they had already found the other parts of her eight years before. They just didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. Well, they identified them and everything, but they didn't know where her other body parts were. And then in this search, they found her other parts. Then a few days later on April 4th, 2011, they find three more sets of remains. And this is where it starts to get a little complicated. So you're going to have to pay attention, Grant. All right. I'm dialed in. Okay. So the first set of remains is known as Jane Doe number six. The first set is number six. Great. Okay. No, it's known as Jane Doe number six. There's a reason. Okay. Because it's the sixth body they found, and she's a Jane Doe, so it's Jane Doe number six. Got it. So far, so good. Yeah. So they find a head, a right foot, and hands. Because they didn't know who she was, they dubbed her Jane Doe number six. It was later determined that this set of remains belonged to a woman whose torso had been found 11 years earlier, also in Manorville, New York. Wow. So in the same area as Jessica Taylor, the other victim who her torso was found in Manorville, this Jane Doe's also was. So seriously, I mean, this guy is, this person is probably the same person dumping at the same site. Like they're all starting to, starting to at least as jessica taylor at least as the last one right because they're dismembered they were both partially dumped in manorville partially dumped down here yeah this jane doe would go unidentified for a long time too and known as jane doe number six until may 28th 2020 police announced that her remains had been identified through genetic genealogy as valerie mack valerie mack had gone missing in the summer of 2000 from new jersey okay so even further back than the rest of them yep So the second victim that they found that day is known as Asian male. This victim died from blunt force trauma. The victim was found wearing women's clothing and may have possibly been a transgender woman. So people may not know him as a male. Gotcha. Okay. So the victim was between 17 and 23, five foot six, 
He was missing four teeth and may have had mu... Okay, here we go. Muscoskeletal disorder? Musculoskeletal disorder? If the victim had it, it would have affected their gait, like their walk. Interesting. I would have thought their back, but their gait, okay. The estimated PMI was between five and ten years. And what does PMI stand for? Postmortem interval. Like the the estimate of how long the body has been there. Oh, wow. I didn't know that was a term. Yeah, PMI, postmortem interval, yeah. I'll add that to the dictionary. This victim is still unidentified. Still to this day. We don't know who this Mm -hmm. is. Wow. Yeah, so if this victim was found in 2011 and the PMI is five to ten years, anywhere from... You know, 2001 to 2007, 2006. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty wide range. Yeah. So the third victim found that day shocked everybody because it not only was not Shannon Gilbert again, but they were the skeletal remains of a female toddler. Oh, man. I hate Mm -hmm. that. She was between 16 and 24 months, and the body was wrapped in a blanket and showed no visible signs of trauma. Um, I have a question. Then... How does a, like, starvation? Like, how does... They don't know. They're skeletal. So the cause of death is undetermined. They can't figure it. They don't know. It could have been suffocation or strangulation. I mean, it could have been a whole lot of things. Yeah, I didn't think about those. Okay. I guess I would have thought because they would have needed the muscles, though, to prove strangulation, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless the hyoid bone was damaged, but it may not have been because she was so small. I don't know. Yeah. But she was 16 to 24 months old, black female, wearing gold jewelry. Who's blinging out their baby? Yeah. It was cute, though. It said that it was earrings and I think a ring, or maybe it was a necklace. I don't know. I would think a necklace or bracelet over a ring. I mean, yeah, it's a I don't very know. small ring. I wore earrings when I was a baby. I did not. Well, you don't wear them now either. No, I do have my left ear pierced, but uh, that was kind of a 90s thing. That, that came and went with the 90s and hasn't really come back since. Right. So all those victims were found on the same day. Then about a week later, on April 11th, 2011, two more sets of remains were found. In the same place? Yeah, same area. They're all scattered along Ocean Parkway. Now, was this more recent or also skeletal, like been there for a while? Well, the first one was also skeletal. Okay. They were found inside a plastic bag near Jones Beach, and the victim was dubbed Jane Doe number three because they don't know her identity. And after DNA analysis, it was announced that this victim was also not Shannon Gilbert, but was later matched to a woman whose torso had been found in Hempstead State Park 14 years before, in 1997. Wow. So now we're going even further back than we thought already. Right. And another victim whose torso was found years before in a different area, and now her other remains are found here. So this is very similar. Wow. How many victims are we up to now? Um, I don't know. Eight? Nine? We'll find yeah, we out. Keep... We'll... Yeah. Okay. We'll add <laughs> we'll, them up we'll, at the end. we'll count them up later. Great. Yeah. But her remains were matched to this woman who'd been found in Hempstead Park 14 years before in 1997. And that to- torso was found in a plastic Rubbermaid container. Which was just, like, dumped along the side of the road. She had a tattoo on her left chest of a heart-shaped peach with a bite out of it. So this victim was dubbed Peaches because she had this peach tattoo. Are they sure it wasn't the Apple logo? No, positive. It's a peach. They could be very similar. 
No, it's a peach. And it has like the little juice drippings coming off of it. Oh, okay. So Jane Doe number three, whose remains were found on the beach, is now connected to peaches whose torso was found 14 years before. It's the same person. Wow. So they, okay, so they lined them up and we got mm-hmm. peaches figured out now. Yes. Well, we don't know, we still don't know who she is. She's still a Jane Doe, but she's now connected. What year do we connect all the dots to this? This is 2011 when she's found okay. on Jones Beach. Gotcha. Okay. Then in 2016, DNA analysis identified peaches as the mother of baby Doe. The toddler. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, unfortunately, but that does makes a lot of sense. So 1997, at least, is when her torso was found. That's when this toddler and her other remains were likely dumped in that area. Wow. And they don't find them until 2011. Yeah, they were there a while. Yeah, the second set of remains found that day was Jane Doe number seven. A human skull and several teeth are found. These remains are linked through DNA testing to a set of legs found in a garbage bag on Fire Island, New York, 15 years before in 1996. My gosh. Like, it keeps getting further and further back. Like, when you think, like, okay, this is probably as late. Like, it keeps going. Mm -hmm. Especially when they find, like, some remains here and some remains over there. Like, that's bad. So that woman had already been dubbed Fire Island Jane Doe. So Jane Doe number seven and Fire Island Jane Doe are the same person. So this is is not looking good. (laughs) No, man. This is crazy. So, like, you were trying to keep track earlier. And what we have here is a fucking giant mess. Massive and like all of it intertwined and stuff. Like these cops are probably just their heads are spinning, I'm sure, of just like they keep finding more and more. Yeah. In the search for Shannon Gilbert, they've uncovered numerous sets of remains and partial remains that are linked back to other partial remains all the way back to the nineties. So all in all, there's there ends up being ten in these couple of months that they're searching for Shannon. That they, they find the four Gilgo Beach victims that were wrapped in burlap and then these six other remains my head my head is spinning from how many remains that they're finding like yeah this is nuts man and eventually they find a lot more but they don't connect all of them to this so were all of these still wrapped in burlap the first four gilgo beach murders that they found that were all tight together and they identified all of them and all of them had only been missing like a year or a year and a half those were all wrapped in burlap okay gotcha But all All these other ones that they're finding are dismembered. They're found in plastic bags. They have similarities to each other, but not necessarily to the first four. So are they thinking at this point this is the same person, or are they thinking this might be two or more people? Um, Both. They kind of flip-flop back and forth. Like, some press conferences, they're like, yeah, it's one killer. Like, we only have one psycho here, and this is his dumping grounds. And then other ones, they're like, ah. It's like two pretty distinct MOs or maybe even three. There are a lot of similarities so far to this and the West Mesa Bone Collector. What do you mean? Just like all of these victims kind of coming up in the same spot. They think it's the same killer. But That's true. It could be two. It could be one. It could be multiple. No, no one's yeah. exactly. Just the dumping ground is the dumping ground for possibly two or more. Yeah, and over the years, they find a lot of bodies. A lot. Some dismembered, some not. Kids, adults, all kinds, all over the place. And <laughs> for some reason, I but for some reason, they connect those first four that were found in the burlap and then the other six that they found while searching for Shan. Like, they, they really only count that as, like, the the ones. But, like, when you look up on NamUs and everything, there's, like, they've... 
they've been finding bodies ever since then. So I don't know why they're not all connected. And how many bodies have they found? I don't know. I didn't count them, but I mean, numerous. Dude, but that's uh, that's what I'm saying, though. That's a huge amount. If, like, just glancing at it, you can be like, oh, it looks like, I don't know, four, five, six. Like, there's a lot of these bodies turning up. But that's why the theories are so abundant in this case, because it's like, is it one killer that's responsible for this many people, or is it a lot of killers and they all use this as a dumping ground? Has it's convenient. Has Joel Rifkin ever been tied to any of these? No. That's what I'm saying. When people say that, like, oh, it's all one, it's like, I don't know. It feels like it's like six or eight of them, and they're all using the same spot. Now, is that better? Like, are you happier that there's six or eight people who are only doing, like, one, maybe two? Or is it, like, is it better to have one guy who's doing all of them? I don't know, because I think think that's why people like the one guy theory, because they're like, oh, there's only one scary guy we're looking for, you know? Or we need to keep our eye out. But I think in this case, it's more than one guy. But we don't know well, that yet. I mean, well, as you know, technology has advanced, we're starting to realize that sometimes there are only one. You know, it's a one-off thing. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. oh, like he, they killed 10. It's like, no, 10 dudes killed one. Or, yeah, killed one person. See, but in this case, there's like four or five that fit the exact same. Yeah. And multiple sets of four or five. So it's either the same killer and he's changing his way of doing things over the years, or it's different killers. Well, and usually killers don't change their MO. Usually if it works, that works, they go with it. And that's not true because they they figure out what works by trying different things. Good point. Yeah. So maybe back in the 90s, he was doing all this work to dismember bodies and dump them in different locations. And then that wasn't that was too much work. And it was like, why? I'm not getting caught anyway. They're not even finding the the ones where I dumped the dismembered parts on Oak Beach or on Ocean Parkway. They're not even finding those. So why even do that? I would say keep doing it if they're not finding it to keep doing exactly what you're doing because they're not finding them like. Don't get right, lazy but what and change he was it up. doing was caught. dismembering them, and he was dumping their torsos in one area and their other remains in this area, and their torsos were getting found and the other remains weren't. Mm, I gotcha. So why not just keep it all together in the same area, you know? Yeah, seriously. If they're not getting found. So, but that's for theory land, Grant, and we're not doing theory land now. I know. It's, it's at the very least, it's a fucking mess because there's either a bunch of serial killers all using the same area or there's one serial killer killing in a bunch of different ways which is unlikely but possible i guess so it does seem like it's more than one though i just want to make my stance clear on that for when this all comes down understood that's your stance yep hell that can be the official from crime to crime stance because i have no idea so yeah. So there's also a lot to this case. We're not getting into it. We're just kind of refreshing. But there's like a police chief who some people are certain is at the very least corrupt and at the worst might be one of the killers responsible for this. That's some small town shit, huh? Yeah. There's fumbles with information and evidence and they won't release the 911 call. It's kind of messy. Then in December of 2011, Shannon Gilbert's wallet, purse, and pants were found in a marsh in Oak Beach, near where she went missing. Could they tell how long the, those had been there? Yeah, since the night she disappeared. I mean, she okay. had them on her when she disappeared, yeah. So about a week after they find her stuff, they found her remains in a marsh about a quarter mile from where her stuff was found, near where she went missing. So 
they finally find Shannon Gilbert. They've been looking for her this whole time, and they've been finding all these other people and not her. Oh, and then right. They yeah, finally I forgot find about her. that. Totally yeah. forgot about that. But yeah, you're right. That was the first person we were looking for. <laughs> yeah. So six months later, when the autopsy revealed her cause of death to be inconclusive, they kind of speculate that she died of drowning or hypothermia after getting turned around or lost in the marsh and pretty much say it's like accidental that she's not related to these other homicide victims even that's kind of weird isn't it yeah super weird (laughs) i mean it'd be tragic if it was true because that means like they're looking for this girl and she just died accidentally but uncovered this whole dumping ground for the serial killer but her family isn't super satisfied with that finding her mom and her sisters and stuff they have a private autopsy done which also kind of concludes that her cause of death is undetermined but they say that it's more consistent with homicidal strangulation because her hyoid bone was damaged and she was found face up in the marsh which most drowning victims are found face down so they, she was strangled and dumped they think so it's just not provable at this point but it does seem a little like i don't know it could go either way for me i guess i wasn't there <laughs> but i mean i well, wasn't good. You're, the, not a, you're not a suspect the theory now. is that she like kind of had a break you know whether it was drug induced or whatever she had some sort of mental break and she was thinking somebody was after her and she ran into this march and got kind of like turned around and either died of hypothermia or drowned but what her uh, highway bone? Now what is it? The the high what's what's the bone in her neck? The hyoid bone? It's the hyoid bone. The hyoid. The, <laughs> that, wow, I'm not do it. I've, I've do it. I've pronounced the the hyoid bone. Hyoid. 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 Yep. There you that go. Whole, uh, hyoid, uh, um bone. That is not okay. The bone well. in her neck. Yeah. So, like, if she had had died from hypothermia or drowning, would that hyoid bone in her neck have been messed Damaged. With? Damaged? I don't know. I doubt it. But we don't know the state of her remains either. If they were skeletal, I mean, that's a really tiny bone. Like, if an animal picked it up and dropped it, you know, it might get damaged. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this is a thing, but I was thinking the other day that, like, when I die, I would just like to be thrown out into the woods and just let animals eat me. Like, I would love to feed nature. I think that'd be the coolest part. Mm. I know they probably won't let me do it, but that would be that'd be the way I'd like to be remembered. I think just... the only way you could do that is if you donate your body to like the body farm. The what? There is a thing called the body farm? Yeah. What? And I can let yeah. animals eat me? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's it's a farm. I I'm almost positive it's in Tennessee, but I could be wrong. Could be somewhere else. I am so in on that. No, they are like a research facility and that's how they study post-mortem intervals like they put bodies out in different climates and different areas you know covered uncovered buried not buried you know whatever and then they take notes on what happens to the body every day or every hour or whatever dude that way it, it helps research determine like okay if it's left out in the open for this amount of time with these conditions it decomposes at this rate and i had no idea about that but i'm yeah. going to look it up and i think that might be the way to do it okay well we're moving on because that's your wife will never allow that. So I hope she does. She won't. I know her. So I don't know if I'd allow it. Although I'll be way long gone. So do you think that you're going to die before me? Why eat way less cashew cheese than you do? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> so anyway, it's true. You do eat less cashew cheese than, than yeah. I do. Also, I eat more real cheese, which is like the bigger problem. Cheese is so, so good in any form. 
I know. But also, you know, the caffeine and the cigarettes and everything. I'm sure it's fine. I will say there are seven body farms in the U.S. Okay. So there's not just one. I thought there was just like a... Maybe there's an OG one. I don't know. So let's get back on track here because this is supposed to be a really short episode. We haven't even gotten to the arrest yet. So there's a lot of theories podcasts, crime shows. Everybody's obsessed with this case. We've all heard about it. I just wanted to give you mostly, Grant, like a update on how they found all these bodies and connected them to each other. You have no didn't. idea how much I appreciate this. Yeah. So also, I don't, in like 2016, that police chief was sentenced to like four years in prison. So that's like not a good deal. He like beat up some guy who stole some shit out of his pickup tr- or out of his SUV that was embarrassing to him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. It had something to do with porn or something. I don't know. It's a this shit show. This sounds very Joel Rifkin-y again. Yeah. It's a shit show over the years. And because of all these like higher up people involved in like shitty stuff. Everybody is, like, very not confident in the fact that they're going to solve this because they're like, not only could you probably not solve this, you might be involved. So we don't like that a lot. (laughs) Anyway, as the years go on, like I said, they find more dismembered bodies. They find more bodies in general. But for some reason, they've never, even though when they sound like they should be, they haven't been, like, officially connected to these cases. So I don't know why. But in 2016... Mary Gilbert, Shannon's mom, was murdered in her home in New York. So Shannon, the girl that kicked this all off. Right. Like, are these at all connected? Like, is it the same person just killing the whole family? No. Her daughter, Sarah, was charged for her murder. Oh, man. Some kind of domestic situation there. Dude. I mean, this kind of thing can tear a family apart, too. So then in 2017, a guy named John Bitrolf from Manorville was announced as a suspect for some of the victims. Remember, Manorville was where some of the torsos were found. Right. So he was charged in 2014 for the murders of two sex workers in 1993 and 1994. And he was on trial in 2017 and he was found guilty. Good. Okay. We got somewhere. Yeah. So because of his past with, you know, killing sex workers and the fact that he lived in Manorville, a lot of people are like, hello. And that the two sex workers that he was convicted of killing were in 93 and 94. And some of the other dismembered victims were found in 96, 97, 2000. Like, it kind of works for the timeline. Sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, but that's never been, there's never been like a, ha, gotcha, or an update on that. It's just nothing. (laughs) I know, there never is. Yeah. So in January 2020, the police released pictures of a belt with embossed letters on it. And this is like the first piece of evidence that they've like shown the public. And they tell them they think it belonged to the killer. That it was found with one of the victims, but they think that it wasn't the victims. And the belt had the letters HM or WH embossed on it. Probably HM, right? Like for H&M? Like is, is we're thinking it's just no, it the wasn't rack or H&M. personalized? No. Oh, okay. No, no, no. It was, it was like embossed initials. Like it could be HM one way or if you flip it around, it could be WH the other way. That damn H, man, it can do anything. Yeah. So by this time, there's huge pressure from Shannon's family to release Shannon's 911 call to see if there's any connection to the other case. Like people are like, you guys, it's been 11 years. Like, why haven't we heard the 911 call? Come on. You know, and with all the reports of corruption and the police chief getting arrested and all that, it makes sense that people are like ultra sketchy why we haven't heard the 911 call. Oh, 100%. Like, what? what's the holdup? Why aren't we hearing it? They just, the police just keep saying no. It's an ongoing investigation. But they were the ones who found her body and deemed it an accident. So it's like, no, it isn't. Just release the 911 call. There's no reason not to. 
So the family had to hire an attorney who, like, had to do all these kinds of appeals. Anyway, by May of 2020. This is why people don't trust the police, by the way. Yeah. So by May of 2020, a judge overturns the ruling and orders the Suffolk County Police Department to release the call. Oh, which they st- well, fantastic. They still don't do for a really long time, So, but oh. that's beside the point. They do eventually, but not yet. Then in October of 2021, Suffolk County invested in technology that analyze, that analyzes old cell phone data, which we didn't know that at the time, but we find out now that in October of 2021, they decided to invest in this technology. And they also brought in an MVAC to collect DNA Great. from the crime scenes. Yeah. Oh, you know I love hearing about that. Jared probably was all over that. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool because now we know there's an arrest. So it's like that was probably super key on this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When, hopefully we see Jared at CrimeCon this year and we can talk to him about it. Yeah. So in February of 2022, the Suffolk County Commissioner Rodney Harrison, which is like a new one. He's not one of the ones that was like corrupt and went to prison. I mean, I don't know if he's corrupt or not, but I don't think so. <laughs> he's not corrupt enough yet to go to prison. Yeah. So he announced that a task force had been created to solve these homicides. He's like, we're done with this shit. We want to be transparent. We want to get these solved. We don't want to be looked at as this like corrupt, inept, you know, whatever. So he puts together a task force with the Suffolk County PD, the sheriff's office, the district attorney, and the FBI. A whole lot of people in on this. Yeah. And that's in February of 2022. And little things trickle out here and there, like they hold press conferences to announce the release of Shannon's 911 call, and to say that while her death is tragic, it's probably not related to these other victims. Like, she wasn't found in the same area or in the same way. Like, she did lead them to this case, but they don't think her case is related at all. That's weird, right? I mean, yeah, it's a weird coincidence, but I also see how they think it's not related either. But they also released video surveillance of Megan Waterman, one of the victims, the Gilgo victims that they found in the burlap. The last time she was seen was in a hotel lobby, and they released that video. But not much else comes about from this task force until Friday. So they're like, this whole thing was founded in 2002. It just did like 2022. 2022. Oh, okay, cool. So they're they're moving a little bit faster (laughs) then. (laughs) Yes. So we all woke up on Friday morning with the news that they had a suspect in custody. Quite literally, by the way, because when I woke up and I checked my phone, the first thing I had was a text message from you from like, I think the New York Post with this headline and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I, let me wake up. And now I got to figure out what's going on with this. So like, very literally woke what up. This is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I was like, Lisk. Oh, they spelled List wrong. I thought we already solved, solved John List. Oh, yeah. Lisk. Got it. Long Island yeah. serial killer. Yeah. So at the beginning, we didn't really know a whole lot, which is why we didn't want to like jump on here and do an episode like immediately. And we still don't know that much. But after that press conference on Friday, I mean, they released quite a bit. Besides his name and the charges, I mean, they released a lot about how they found him, what this task force was all about. Usually that kind of, you know, arrest affidavits and stuff like that are usually like heavily redacted. Right. That's what I was thinking. So like they must be pretty certain that everything they found is like legit and going to stick because I mean, it was a while after um, the one in Indiana, uh, the Delphi murder was like solved. There was a few 
at least a few days before they actually released who he was and how they thought they found out who he was and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it still is like a big secret on all the evidence they have. I mean, a little bit more is leaking out here and there, but not much until it goes to trial. Because that's why they do that, to protect their case and to prevent, like, tainting a jury pool and all that kind of stuff. Well, and probably giving, like, a defense attorney, like, a head start into what they have. Totally. So... He was charged with first and second degree murders on three of the first four victims found. So Waterman, Bethelemy, and Costello. But he's also the major suspect in Maureen Brainerd Barnes also. So the four that were found in Gilgo Beach right next to each other in the beginning, wrapped in burlap, those are the ones he's charged with. Perfect. Do you think he's going to give more info? Like, do you think he's going to sing or do you think he's gonna go the other way with it i'm not sure he pled not guilty at his arraignment and he was remanded like they didn't give him bail for them to release all this stuff about him like they must have something really good so like he might want to change his tune yeah in the press conference they described how the four victims were all petite women they were all sex workers they were all bound at the head with camouflage burlap that was a new kind of thing too because everybody always assumed that it was like burlap that you would buy at like a nursery burlap sacks like for trees or potatoes that's what i was thinking yeah but it wasn't it was it was camouflage burlap that was used in duck blinds like for hunting oh yeah i did not see that going that way was he a hunter yeah he's an architect named rex hewerman and yes he's a hunter he held hunting licenses in multiple states oh wow that's that's unsettling (laughs) yeah a little bit In the press conference, they said that he was caught because of a complex web of cell phone evidence and because he drove a a Chevy Avalanche that matched the description of a super tall, large man who frequented one of the victims before she was killed. And he's a super tall, large, he's like six foot four, 250 or something. He's a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the cell phone evidence is like extremely complicated, but extremely interesting. Like he used all these burner phones to contact the victims and they've tracked down every single burner phone and how it was like in the same area as the victim's phones during the times of the murders. And that like his wife and his family's cell phones were out of state or out of the country every time there was a murder. Oh my God. Even though they were burner phones, which is wild. I'm like, hey, I knew they could track burner phones. They've been lying to us for years. Yeah, 100% they have. They laid it all out in this affidavit, pretty much, and we're talking about how, you know, they pinged off of towers in Midtown, which is where his architecture firm was, was in Midtown, Manhattan, and then it would ping off of towers in Long Island, and then it would ping with the victim's phone for a certain amount of time, and then it would the victim's phone would go dead, or the, you know, like, they just, like, literally tracked down cell phone evidence from 2007, and 8, and 9, and 10. Like, that's 13, 15 years ago. I know. Luckily, like, I don't have anything to hide or a burner phone. But, like, if you do, you're going to get caught. Like, let's just put it out. Like, we got some pretty gnarly technology. Yeah, it was wild. So there was other things, though, too. Like, he talked in the press conference, the DA did, about the DNA evidence. But he said that he couldn't go into detail. Because of the way, like, New York law is, he can't talk about the details. But he did say that a hair was recovered from... Maureen Brainerd Barnes in a belt buckle that was wrapped around her legs. And then three hairs were recovered from 
Waterman, and one was like around her head, and one was around her leg, and one was caught in between the tape. So we kind of found out there was tape involved in there, too. He also said a significant hair was recovered from Costello's body, and the hairs couldn't be tested for DNA until DNA technology improved, which is why he said it took them so long. Now the DNA technology is there, so they were able to test it. Wow, very interesting. Yeah. And in the court documents that were posted on Daily Mail's website, they said that they believe that the hair, that some of the hairs at least, match Hewerman's wife, which means that they pretty much know that they came from his house or their, their house and transferred either to his clothing or the burlap because during the murder, she was out of state. Oh, okay, cool. That's why I said, oh, no, because I was like, oh, no, like she was involved. And for whatever reason, it's always worse when a woman's involved. But I get it. Like it was just attached to his stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like his wife's hair sheds, like everybody's hair sheds, you know. And it was either attached to him or the burlap and got transferred during the murders. Oh, man. So, but yeah, she's not suspected at all because they've already figured out through cell phones that she was like never around when any of these girls went missing or when... They were murdered. Like one trip, she was in Iceland. One like this, she's been not around. Every time this has happened, he's been home alone. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I know. I I was literally when I read that, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" His wife's hair. Like my husband would be so screwed. He can't commit any crimes. No, especially because he doesn't have much hair, and you have so much hair. And between you and your dogs, like. That dude, he would walks get caught so fast, so fast. Not to mention, you have pink hair, so like we're pretty much drawing the conclusion straight to you right away, or not the conclusion, but the connection. Yeah, you guys don't even run DNA, but you find my hair all over your house all the time, and I'm not um, even there that much, dude. There are sometimes like where it's been like weeks, and we've been like, what is "This pink ass hair, where did this come from?" Like, well, obviously, <laughs> when we went and visited Erica last year, it's still here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I know. I just couldn't. I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing that that's one of the I mean, obviously, they've connected him in more than one way, because between the cell phones and the car. And well, the I think that's why they're willing to talk about all of it, you know, is because yeah. they've, they've got him pretty much dead on dead rights. Yeah. So these documents are really interesting. If you want to read them, they're totally available on the Internet, but they are sketchy as fuck because they list out like all of his search history on the internet did he search for anything weird oh i can't even read them they're gross i mean really can I, can we get like a few no it's most of it's child pornography oh and never mind then. torture and torture porn oh so, okay yeah never mind you keep it to yourself yeah they're messed up but the court documents list them so, like, whether this guy... If you look up, like, torture porn, you should just go to jail anyway. That's what I'm saying. Like, whether this guy is a murderer or not, like, which the police seem pretty confident he did this. Yeah, they do. At least four of them. Either way, this guy's going to prison. Like, the child porn and the other stuff that was on his computer, like, that's... It's messed up. Well, thank God. So, it sounds like they got a real bad one off the streets. But he hadn't really committed anything more recently that we know about? No, We don't know, though. Like, we don't know much about him yet. I mean, we know that he grew up in the house that he currently lives in, in Long Island, which is kind of like a dump. And he bought that house from his mom in 1994. So it was the house he grew up in, and now he lives there with his wife and his two kids. And he's an architect. Like, we don't know that much about him. Wow. Yeah. Just know he's a big old creep. Yeah. We know he's an architect. We know he liked 
to use burner phones to hire sex workers, and we know he liked to search gross shit on the internet, and the police think that he killed at least four of the Long Island victims, the Gilgo Beach four, so... That's pretty much all we know. We don't know a lot about him. We also did learn that his brother killed a cop in the 80s, which is kind of interesting, too. Oh, absolutely. It's interesting. Could there be any connection to these bodies and his brother? Maybe, but he he didn't, like, cold-blooded kill a cop. He killed him in a drunk driving chase situation. He killed him. So he only uh... got three years in jail, and then he was released. Okay. So, And his brother moved to, like, South Carolina, where this Rex guy has a property also. That they were planning on retiring at. And turns out he also had a condo in Vegas, as we've come to learn. Oh, man. Did he have property anywhere else, too? A couple articles that I read said that he had ties to Michigan, Arizona, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Las Vegas. Oh, wow. This guy could be like the new Israel Keys. Like, this could go really deep, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And he held a hunting license in Alaska. (laughs) There's the Israel Keys tie again. Yep. So, but we don't know what those connections are. They just said he has ties to or connections to those states. That place in Nevada, was that, was that kind of close to you in the ballpark? Yeah. The Really? Yes. The one, well, I mean, everywhere here is kind of close. I mean, it's a valley, so it's like 20 minutes away, but it was a timeshare, but he's owned two different timeshares supposedly in Nevada. Oh, so he may have been a neighbor of yours at a time. Yeah, so the the news here did a little blurb about it, and they said that they contacted Vegas Metro and asked them, you know, like, hey, is this going to be a problem? And they're like, yeah, we're aware. <laughs> we're looking into it. <laughs> Just one of the other things we have to deal with out here. Yeah, so now they got to go back through all their unsolved cases and see if there could be any connections Whoa. to Vegas. Oh, wow. Dude, that's such a huge undertaking. Especially here, unsolved cases of sex workers, like, that's going to be oh, yeah. a while. Better hire some interns. But yeah, I mean, when we find out more, we'll let you know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, I'm just happy I'm all caught up on what's going on now, because I was watching it, and I was like, I think I kind of get it, but now I really kind of get it. Yeah, so they're only saying that they're confident, obviously, but they're only saying that he's responsible for the Gilgo Four. But they've only charged him with three. <laughs> For now, right? Like, it's yeah. there's a good chance it's going to creep up. Totally. And there's a good, they've already said that they're sure he's responsible for the fourth, too. They just didn't think they had a strong enough case on the fourth one to file charges yet. Wow. Whew. Man, I'm looking forward to seeing how this one plays out because, like you said, like it sounds like there's a really bad dude off of the street. And I think that's the most important thing of all of this. Yep. I know they were showing on the news clips, too. They were showing, like, the neighbors and how shocked everybody was. And I was like, none of these people seem that shocked. They were all just like, (laughs) wow, this is scary. Like, can't believe you live next door. Yeah, I mean, I did read a couple of them, and they were like, you know, he seemed like a pretty normal guy. Like, But then some of them said he was the neighborhood creep. No, I didn't read those, but, I mean, you kind of have to, like, if you're this guy, I think you kind of have to be a little weird, right? Like, not you can't just do these things and be like, yeah, that's just normal stuff. Like, yeah, that guy acts totally normal a hundred percent of the time. I could see him faking it for a little bit, but at certain points, like, you're gonna be like, hey, this guy's kind of a strange dude, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Well, that's pretty much all we know so far, so... And now you do, too. So, hey, Grant. Hey, Erica. (laughs) Before we go, I have somebody that wants to say hi to you. To me? Yes. 
You got to sit here. You got to talk into the mic. Hello. Hey, hey, Warren. Hi, Grant. Hey, Warren. What's going on, man? How's your mullet? It's getting better. (laughs) (laughs) It is hard for mullets to get worse as long as they're on your head. So I believe it. How long is it? Like, does it go like mid back or something? Uh, yeah, just about. Well, yeah, what Appy said. It's probably like two inches past his shoulders. Dude, that's awesome. You should keep that mullet until you graduate high school. Like, just let it ride. I should. All right. Say bye to Grant. We got to go. Bye. Bye, Warren. It's good talking to you. Hey, Erica, before we go real quick. T- hold on. Grant, he has one more thing he wants to say. Oh. Yeah, what's up, man? Go follow my TikTok. One hyper dot dot VR. Bye. <laughs> That's not what you said you were going to say. say hi, hi, Grandpa. Call me. <laughs> Bye, buddy. <laughs> he told me he was going to shout out Grandpa. He's like, I want to say hi to Grandpa. And then he tries to shout out his TikTok. <laughs> he must have had a great time in Utah, but otherwise go visit his, his uh, TikTok at whatever it is. Oh, I don't know what it is. It's um, something about video games. That makes sense. Before we go, though, I wanted to ask you, did you hear about that cartoonist that was found dead in his home? No. Oh, well, the details are sketchy still, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew you All like right. It. I'll give it to you. It's better than a murder of crows, so. Ah, it's as good. Mm, we'll end on that. All right. Love you. Love you, too. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been a production of Orange Halo Media, LLC, hosted by Grant and Erica. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. To chat with us, go to From Crime to Crime on Instagram, From Crime to Crime on TikTok, From Crime the Number 2 Crime on Twitter, or you can visit our website at FromCrime2Crime.com. See you next Wednesday.